You're listening to Living Healthy Longer by the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging. Um, I'll share a little bit about uh, me moving to Denver. I'm a transplant and uh, relocated nearly three years ago from San Diego. And as you all know, San Diego and the state capital of Sacramento are at opposite ends of the state. So I grew up not in a capital city and uh, my professional work while in San Diego did not involve much of um, traveling to Sacramento to advocate for a variety of different issues. We really concentrated um, that advocacy more at the community and county levels. So relocating to Denver and literally being 20 minutes from the Capitol has been really exciting um, for me, both personally as well as professionally. So um, being immersed in the advocacy work and being with the legislators and learning the inner workings of, of the state capitol and the wonderful work that they get done there has been really enlightening. And I hope that what I'm learning, I can help um, advocate on behalf of older Coloradans. So it's been a, a real thrill to live so close to, uh, to a capital. Jody Waterhouse is the Director of Outreach Programs at the University of Colorado Anschutz Multidisciplinary Center on Aging where she leads engagement efforts and works closely with stakeholders from government, community, and industry. Beyond creating programs for the Multidisciplinary Center on Aging, Jody is also an advocate at the state capitol for issues facing older Coloradans. On today's show, we talk with Jody about two bills she has advocated for that aim to increase the number of medical providers for older adults in Colorado. Be sure to check the episode notes for links about these bills and more information. Now on to the show. I hope you enjoy. I'm your host, Hannah Hallisker, and this is Living Healthy Longer a podcast from the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging at Colorado State University. Well, Jody, thank you so much for coming on the show and putting up with all of these technology issues and scheduling issues too. We've just had a, just a confluence of problems so far, but thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. Oh, of course, and no problem. Thanks for having me. It's always fun when technology is involved, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's just a joy in the office setting, yes. isn't it? <laughs> so what is it about your role at the Multidisciplinary Center on Aging that has you at the Capitol? Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what is your position and why is it focused on aging policy and advocacy? Absolutely. So my role actually for the Multidisciplinary Center on Aging at the CU Anschutz Medical Campus um, is Director of Outreach Programs. And I co-direct the center um, with our director and chair of the Division of Geriatrics. And uh, my role was created as it's a brand new role um, within the center to really be that outreach um, and engagement arm of the center to help build awareness, um, to build collaborations and partnerships, 
both on and off campus. Um, it's interesting that as a large campus, um, not we don't necessarily know what each other does. And so spending a lot of time on campus, um, educating uh, folks about the center and its resources, but even more time off campus where um, that advocacy hat does uh, take a lot of my time now. Um, I was actually, thrown into the advocacy. Um, I was only at the campus for two months before uh, a bill fell into my lap and um, the Multidisciplinary Center on Aging was taking the lead on uh, presenting that bill um, to the legislator, legislatures for um, consideration during the 2020-21 the session. So I had to learn very quickly because not only um, was I unfamiliar with the advocacy and legislative process, certainly here in Colorado, but our team within uh, the Division of Geriatrics hadn't done that uh, either. So we were learning uh, together as we were um, moving along. And what it's allowed us to do is to really identify the inner workings of the Capitol and understand which legislators um, support older adult issues and which maybe don't quite as much, um, which provide tremendous opportunities for us to provide our expertise in the aging um, uh, sector to educate our legislators about complex issues that are facing older Coloradans. So, so my role, even though when I was interviewing for the position, didn't necess necessarily say you'd be spending a lot of time at the Capitol, it has really just evolved that way and created tremendous opportunity for us. So um, our, our bill got passed last year and we've introduced another bill this year. So really exciting work and um, excited for the prospects that certainly uh, these bills and legislative acts will um, help support older Coloradans as they age. Yes, absolutely. And it's such important work that you do down there at the at the Multidisciplinary Center on Aging. So I do want to talk about those two bills that you advocated for. But before we get there, just a general question about, you know, why is advocacy for older Coloradans important to you? Um, I understand you are on the board of the Colorado Center on Aging, which is different than your day job. <laughs> um, yes. So I just wonder, can you tell us about uh, the Colorado Center on Aging and also just why do you think the advocacy work is so important? Absolutely. So the Colorado Center for Aging actually was formally known as the Colorado Senior Lobby. So some of your listeners may actually remember um, the Colorado Senior Lobby as it's been an advocacy and education organization that's been around for more than 40 years, specifically focused on advocating at the Capitol um, around older Coloradan issues. So um, the, the CCA now, as it is called, um, was uh, the entity that I was working closely with uh, for the initial bill that was presented back in 2020. Uh, they, they monitor and, and sometimes even take the lead on certain bills because obviously their focus is very much around issues that are going to um, impact our older Coloradans. So it's a terrific organization where we get community members. Um, it's all volunteer based, but community members that we help educate around advocacy 
Um, and if there's certainly a silver lining for the pandemic is that we moved virtual. And so what that allowed us to do is to move into living rooms across Colorado and really teach folks, um, community members, on the fundamentals of how to advocate and the work that they can do in their communities to make the legislators aware of those issues that are being faced by older Coloradans. So there's a big education component um, that is really important, certainly to me and, um, and the CCA. Um, that we aren't just an advocacy organization, but we're, we're really educating folks around advocacy. And they've helped me immensely. Like I said, you know, I was pretty new to the whole advocacy arena when I arrived. And um, through the education they provided, um, through the introductions of legislators, through their events at the Capitol, um, it really gives community members and us working certainly in the aging space some phenomenal uh, resources and tools um, to learn how to better advocate for the issues that we're most passionate about. So, so not only um, were they a resource for me, but like I mentioned, they've become such a resource across the state since we've moved more into virtual platforms. And now I'm in my second um, year as a board member. So excited to continue um, this work uh, around advocacy education. Yeah. And so, you know, I know from our, some of our work at the, the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging, there's mm-hmm. lots of centers in Colorado with very similar yeah. names. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know from some of our work, you know, of course, we talk about issues that older adults face all the time. All of our centers do. And I know some of the ones that come to mind first at, at our center are, you know, transportation needs, um, aging in place or aging my way, you know, being able to live in your home into older age is something. And then even just, you know, all the way down to general things is like uh, health and exercise and, and keeping up with healthy aging just generally. So, so some of, I just want to, you know, use that as a way to talk about some of the bills that you advocated for in last year's session. So what were some of the issues that you took on and, and tell us about these two different bills that you had? Absolutely. So I'm being with the CU Anschutz medical campus. Obviously our lane is healthcare. Um, And so that's what we're very focused on. And as stewards of education for the state of Colorado, we host the only geriatric fellowship program in the state. So we take that very seriously. And um, since we are educating our future clinicians, um, whether they're doctors or nurses, pharmacists or dentists at um, Anschutz, we want to ensure that um, A, folks, are, our future clinicians are going into the field of geriatrics so that we have enough clinicians to take care of all of us as we age. And the bills um, that I've been uh, most intimately involved in um, address just that. Um, geriatrics um, is uh, very understaffed in that we only have 99 geriatricians in the entire state of Colorado. And so um, it is imperative for us to ensure that we have properly trained geriatric clinicians, again, you know, from multiple healthcare disciplines, um, that are, are taken care of and understand how to take care of older adults. 
So the bill, um, Senate Bill 158 that we introduced last year um, was a loan forgiveness program for specifically geriatric trained clinicians so that when they finish their geriatric training and they go work in either rural or underserved um, clinics, that they would be eligible then for loan forgiveness since many of them have substantial student loans once they graduate. So it was a bit of a more incentive um, to um, try to get more geriatric trained clinicians to take advantage of this phenomenal resource that's now available to them. This year's bill is focused on actually building the geriatric training pipeline. And that is a, a training program that across higher ed institutions here in the state of Colorado, not just Anschutz, but across higher ed campuses where we start to implement uh, more geriatric curriculum in the healthcare curriculums that are currently being um, delivered uh, for our health profession students. So this would create an opportunity for the different healthcare disciplines to include not only the four I've mentioned, which are medicine, pharmacy, nursing, and um, dentistry, but also occupational therapy, social work, psychology. Um, we are in desperate, desperate need of appropriate trained geriatric specialists who will take care of certainly um, our older Coloradans, but but literally, you know, our older adults across the United States. So this pipeline would create funding to allow that mechanism, to create that mechanism on these university campuses to begin training these clinicians who then could go into communities across Colorado, deliver geriatric care, but at the same time be training their colleagues and peers at those clinics in the, the field of geriatrics. So we're, um, we're hopeful um, that this bill will be something that will come to fruition because it's a natural pipeline of training to then at the end have the ability to potentially um, reap the benefit of a loan forgiveness program in geriatrics. So very focused on those two. Uh, again, because here at Anschutz, um, we are the stewards of education for our future clinicians. Yes. And so this is where my verbiage is probably going to get a little off because I'm not too familiar with policy language. But so SB 158, loan forgiveness for geriatric trained clinicians, that that bill passed. That and and, mm-hmm. and has been, what is the word, ratified, accepted into law? <laughs> it has. It has. And actually last September um, went into effect and, um, and could be a, uh, an option for geriatric trained clinicians to apply for the loan forgiveness funds. So that is moving and operating as we speak. Yeah. So how how can someone tap into that if they're interested in, in looking into loan forgiveness? Absolutely. So literally they can go through um, uh, the CDPHE, uh, Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment website, and literally put in loan forgiveness for, for geriatrics and up will pop 
um, the application process. So it's it's very, very simple, very simple to find. And I'm happy, Hannah, to share some links with you if you wanted to um, share those links with the listeners. Um, but very easy to find and then literally go on and fill out an application. Yes. And we will, I will definitely take those links from you and we would include them in the episode notes uh, for this episode. So people can pretty easily get connected to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, okay, that bill has been accepted is operating, but the other one geriatric training program pipeline is still being considered. Is that the right way to think about it? That it is still in. So the session is still in for another week. Um, And so um, that one, Um, we uh, went to committee um, and did testimony in front of the committee on April 18th. And um, we are working right now on some specifics. That may be a bill actually that will get bumped to next year. So talking a little bit about advocacy today, this is something certainly that I have learned that um, never to give up, that if a bill for some reason has a little road bump, Um, and we have to kind of go back to the drawing board, um, then that's okay. Um, Bills have been introduced for many years before they actually get um, approved and funded. So I'll have to keep you up to date, Hannah, on that one um, of where we're at. Um, But if it doesn't pass in this particular session, then no problem at all. We'll go back next session and reintroduce the bill. So that's part of uh, just the process um, that I want listeners to understand that just because a bill may not necessarily pass for a particular session to never give up um, and keep advocating because um, what we're putting forward are addressing some very important issues that, that we're facing as a state um, in the very, very near future as our older Colorado population grows. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm someone who watches advocacy from afar a lot of the times, but what I, what I appreciate, you know, about these two bills that you've talked about and just a lot of bills that you see in general is that they're really evidence-based. Like you are working with everyday people, you're working with researchers to come and put these bills together so that by the time, you know, you are going to committee and presenting, you have this strong bill that has a lot of, you know, testimony behind it, research behind it. So can you talk a little about that process? Absolutely. So when I, when I alluded to earlier in our conversation about arriving and literally two months later, you know, being in the throes of putting together a bill and understanding even that process. Uh, so when there's an idea um, brewing, then uh, obviously you want to ensure that you have a sponsor um, at, the, at the Capitol who will sponsor your bill and really supports and understands the importance of this idea. So uh, we were so fortunate and a big shout out for Senator Jesse Danielson from Jeffco, who has actually sponsored both of the bills that we've been involved in. Um, and, and hugely supportive, much like Senator Janal that you have um, up in Larimer County of older adult issues. So once you have your idea solidified, evidence-based, obviously, and you found a sponsor, um, then, then we all work together with the drafter who puts it into draft language um, in the bill. 
And there are numerous iterations that happen. That's not just a one time, here it is, and then we're good to go. So lots of iterations. Um, maybe there's some messaging that we want to tighten up or we want to add some more statistics and data to help support our argument. So the, the bill uh, language, that can take a, a few weeks, a few months. Um, and once the bill then is live, then we can start to, um, uh, Senator Danielson can then introduce it. Then it starts to make its way through the different committees at the Capitol. And each time you have to you know, be approved um, to move to the next level. And um, it's a fascinating uh, process from a little idea that you might have um, that you think could solve a big problem for the state of Colorado to then see it flourish into a bill to then see it actually make its way through um, the process, the legislative process, finally be um, approved at the end and be standing at the state capitol having uh, gov the governor sign uh, the bill that you were involved in. So, so. Um, it, it, it sounds complicated and it, and it can get complicated very quickly, but I don't want the listeners to think it's something that's so far reaching. It actually is really a fairly easy process. And from that budding idea of a solution that you're thinking about to then finding someone who agrees and is willing to support um, can then flourish into you know, a, a, an amazing solution. Um, for the state um, around a complex issue that may be facing our older Coloradan population. So um, trust me, if I can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> and learning as we go is very much um, key. And leaning on, and we're so, so fortunate because not every state has um, an organization like the Colorado Center for Aging, who is your partner right there with you, um, monitoring the bills and, and giving you coaching and um, and uh, different ideas about messaging and who to meet at the Capitol to get your uh, idea in front of is so valuable. And they, they work with everyone and anyone um, across the state of Colorado who's interested in the advocacy piece. Yeah, that's a really incredible piece, you know, having having an advocacy organization that has been doing this for more than 40 years, like you mentioned, um, to just be able to support you through the process. That's really, really great. We are and very fortunate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we've been talking about bills and advocacy so far, but I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the other initiatives that you work on at the Multidisciplinary Center on Aging down at Anschutz. So these are more programmatic things or, you know, more research-based things. So I wonder if you could just tell us just briefly about a few of the programs that you have going on down there. Absolutely. Uh, again, you know, I love my work because it's just... Uh, it's so varied. And I think, Hannah, you'll kind of share that same sentiment working in the center um, at CSU. We get um, exposed and we get to work with so many different um, brilliant people, researchers, clinicians um, on our campuses, as well as in the community. And so um, some of the initiatives that you've talked about have really been creative, uh, created by these uh, folks. And um, we have a program that was actually launched last year 
that is a signature program for the state of Colorado, and that is our Vulnerable Elder Services Protection and Advocacy Team. I'm sorry, that is a mouthful. We love um, acronyms in, ac in academia, so I'll give you the acronym, and that's uh, VESPA. And VESPA is um, building the first multidisciplinary clinical team in elder abuse. We are only second to Cornell University in New York to have such a team um, that are available for consults in um, the area of elder abuse. Again, with healthcare being our lane, uh, we realize that many clinicians, regardless of their healthcare discipline, are not trained in elder abuse. And that's a real problem because they're faced with it in our emergency rooms and in our inpatient settings or our cl uh, clinics. So really excited about that. We are um, in the second year and happy to send um, more links to Hannah to share with the listeners around some of these um, initiatives that I touch on. The other one that we're really um, very excited and also in the throes of just starting last month, and that is our workforce development program, where we will train older adults to uh, join research teams. As you know, Hannah, many, you know, uh, the numbers for older adults participating in research and clinical uh, trials is, is dire, and we need more older adults participating. And so through this particular grant program, we are creating a, a brand new workforce of older adults who will become integral members of the research teams. And their role on these teams will be to uh, provide community engagement, education, recruitment and retainment of older adults um, in research. So it's really excited um, about that one um, because we're going to have a whole new workforce of older adults that are joining our campuses, hopefully uh, across the state. And then lastly, uh, we have a program that I think your listeners might also be interested in um, called COASTED. And that is our Connecting Older Adults and Students Through Interprofessional Telecare. That is a program that was created right as the pandemic was rolling out, um, uh, literally on March 13th, as the world closed down, uh, we realized very quickly that our own patients that we see through our seniors clinics, as well as those in the community, um, were suddenly, you know, becoming very isolated and um, um, were asked to stay at home. And on the flip side, what was happening with our clinical students is that any sort of opportunity to do their clinical rotations and work with patients immediately disappeared. So through this program, we paired older adults and students um, from CU Anschutz um, from the various schools in the College of Nursing to be paired with an older adult that would create a connection um, outside of their immediate social cir circle for a network for the older adult. And then the older adult on the flip side was able to mentor this, the uh, health profession students, really working with them to hone their communication skills when working with older adults, work on their bedside manner, um, talk through you know, ageism that happens in healthcare. And that is allowing then our students to learn firsthand from their future patient population, um, since many of them will have a significant patient panel 
of older adults to be better clinicians. And the program, um, we've had over 300 pairings of older adults throughout the state of Colorado, um, eight different states across the country who all want to be paired with a, a CU Anschutz student. Um, and they actually stay paired for an academic year, if not longer, so that the student can really see firsthand also the aging um, experience that's happening So with the older adult. So that um, uh, program actually won the Social Innovation Award last summer from the National Area Agencies on Aging in Washington, D.C as a program that um, is now featured in their innovation hub for anyone to use. So if there again are any of the listeners on this podcast who are interested in setting up a similar program within their communities or your students from CSU or any of the other higher ed institutions and you'd like to be paired with an older adult, um, uh, we'd be happy to, to share certainly our uh, best practices, um, insight, and or get people registered um, to participate. So looking always for older adults and students um, to participate and be paired. Um, I think um, from what we can tell, we're the first academic medical campus actually in the country where we have paired students in a program like this from all of the schools and the college. The programs, similar programs tend to be housed kind of just in one particular school, maybe like the School of Medicine, but we have students from cross disciplines participating. So another wonderful resource for certainly um, our older Coloradans here, um, as well as across the country. So those are just some of the initiatives um, that, that I get to be involved in. Um, which is, is such exciting and rewarding work. And those initiatives are growing all the time. So um, if we do this interview next year, it'll probably be a whole new list, but really excited that we have these uh, services, resources, and initiatives in literally people's backyards to take advantage of. Yeah, those are some incredible programs that you have going on down there. Um, I want to make sure we get this last question in, the one that I ask everyone who comes on the show. Um, and, and you'll have an interesting perspective because like you were telling me before this call, you're not a researcher, but you're, you work with researchers <laughs> all the time and, and you work on this advocacy and policy side of things. So I wonder what makes you most excited for the future of aging research from your perspective and your area of expertise? You are exactly right. I'm not a researcher, but yet surrounded um, by brilliant uh, researchers. And um, what, what makes me most excited, certainly about their work and the work that all of our you know, higher ed institutions are engaged in, um, is that research isn't just you know, we think of it as being very grounded in the basic sciences. And um, for instance, you know, through the Center on Aging, we have a robust offering of um, basic science physiology of aging research, of which they're doing incredible work. And so taking that, but also expanding 
um, research into very non-traditional areas. Um, that's really exciting um, for our work because some of the other initiatives that I didn't mention as we were discussing some of the initiatives we're working on, for instance, we have a big grant um, that we're working with uh, one of our clinicians around dementia and firearms. Um, so proper storage of firearms um, as we age and making sure that they don't get into the wrong hands. Um, we also have done um, extensive research in the area of advanced care planning and um, working with LGBTQ communities on some of those difficult conversations that um, people have when encouraging um, friends, family, community members to fill out advanced care directives so that their wishes um, will be met um, when the time comes. So those are just some other examples. And then the initiatives I talked about earlier are all grant related um, and have a research component. So, so research isn't necessarily just grounded in the, the health sciences, the basic sciences, like we all think about it, but it's, it's a, a playground of just incredible creativity and new innovations um, that every day um, folks um, are working on how can we make aging um, uh, better in the way of, you know, can we do it in a more healthy way? Do we have the appropriate innovations and technologies to help support our aging? That's going on all around us. And at campuses like CU and CSU, um, brilliant minds are, are all figuring that out. So, so certainly from my standpoint, taking that research in many different types of areas um, and in translating that um, back maybe into an advocacy piece um, is super exciting. Um, and, you know, just look forward to the future of what other creative things are we gonna come up with that potentially we can um, translate into um, uh, advocacy more in, in implementation and not just kind of talk about, you know, pie in the sky type ideas. So we're, we're in for a really fun ride. Um, aging is a gift um, and we all need to look at it like that. And being, you know, here and now, um, boy, I think the next, you know, 50 years um, are going to be pretty darn exciting. Um, for what we're going to have available to all of us as we age. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Thank you for that just very thoughtful answer. I think that's just a very inspiring way to think about all the research that we have going on in, in all these different disciplines. Well, Jody, thank you so much for the last, you know, hour of your time and, and coming here and just talking about this. I think it's so important and something that we we haven't necessarily talked about, I know, on the podcast, um, but just more generally, you know, we don't think about aging policy a lot in the work that we do. I don't think that's front and center, but it's a very important arm to the whole whole, you know, older adult phenomenon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Absolutely. so thank you so much for coming and sharing some of your work with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I hope that I see many of the listeners um, advocating on behalf of older adults in the very near future. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Center for Healthy Aging at CSU. Remember to follow us on social media at CSU Healthy Aging. 
and visit our website at healthyaging.colostate.edu. We will see you next time.